Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. <laughs> I'd like to welcome you to the first ever episode of Crushed the Podcast, or why is it that the life you like doesn't like you back? I'm Kirsten Lyons. I'm an actress, a writer, a director, a wife, and a mom. And this podcast is actually based on my award-winning 2012 solo show entitled Crushed, Why Is It That the Boys That You Like Don't Like You Back? And I call it a solo show because I feel like when you say one woman show, people think all you're going to talk about is like your first period, which let's be honest, it didn't come until nine days before I turned 16. So I do have something to say about it, but that is not what the show is about. And joining me on this tra-la-la down memory lane is my cousin, Aaron Raderstorff. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Hi. Aaron, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So my taxes would say that I'm a full-time barista. Mm. Um, I'm also almost a real estate agent because I saw that show Selling Sunset on Netflix. <laughs> and I thought, I could do that. So I just signed up for the classes. Um, uh, in my heart, though, I know that like, who I am. It's just a full-time reality TV show watcher. And that takes up about 90% of my brain. So. And I just really appreciate that you go and search out your heart to know, you know, yeah. what, who you are. And it took what a lot of doing. journaling to get to that place. So. Um, speaking of journaling. So my solo show chronicled all the boys that I loved that didn't love me back. I mean, it went from literally four-year-old Kirsten um, had loved Han Solo and Han Solo action figure that chose um, the death of uh, a lot by lawnmower to be with his love, the Princess Leia action figure than to come inside with me. So it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, but it came out of actually a broken engagement with a kind of uh, male model slash semi-famous mixologist. Don't call him a bartender. And, um, it's, it's funny because it's one of those moments where obviously you don't realize when these crushed moments are happening, whether it's, you know, you don't get the guy or the job or the, the college or the life. It's really, this is about, you know, the dream that you wanted and not getting it and kind of what, what happens, like, what is that great pivot that happens? And so, um, I always knew I wanted to do something with this, but I wasn't exactly sure what, and then 2020 happened and so many plans and wants and desires were thrown out the window or mo more so burned in a heaping dumpster fire that was 2020. And I was like, you know what? I think it's time. I think it's time to bring Crushed back. And and as much as we will talk about boys, this is really about life and the life you wanted and the life you dreamed about. And it just it not coming to fruition and kind of what does that look like for you? Or maybe, you know, the, the life that you did get is so much better than what you had originally dreamed for and what, mm. what that looks like. And how do you deal with that? How do you kind of come to terms with like, okay, maybe this wasn't what I wanted, but it's what I got. And maybe it's even better. I love that. And I think the other thing that can be so um, hard is when we go through these crushed moments, at least for me, is I feel like I'm alone or how you felt like I'm alone. And I really hope that out of this, you take kind of this, the idea that you're not alone and no, nobody knows exactly what you're going through, but there have been so many people that have gone through so much of a similar situation. And this, this podcast is for you to just sit down, um, talk about who your favorite boy band member is and talk about those crushed moments. Totally. So and I really maybe... don't know if there's anything more important in life than your favorite boy band moment and how you got crushed. I don't know. Maybe. 
I think it's those are the two formative building blocks of a personality. So, um, and I think what's really interesting and exciting about this podcast. So I da- I'm days away from turning forty. Once this podcast launch, I will be like a week away from turning forty. Which gulp, I'm feeling okay about. Um, but you know. I have this idea in my 12-year-old brain that my life would look a certain way. And if I'm being honest, it really doesn't. By any, there are things that look similar, um, but there's nothing that looks the way I wanted it to look. Or even my 18-year-old brain or my 25-year-old brain or my 30-year-old brain. And what's really exciting about this is, you know, Erin is 26. And in a lot of ways, she's just starting out um, this thing called, what do they call it? Adulting? Ugh. But oh she, I know it's a gross term. I'm sorry. I for, Please forgive me for that. I even use that term. <laughs> but it's so cool because you are in LA right now. And not only are you a barista, not only are you a reality TV show watcher, so, so much so you became my real estate agent almost, but you are also pursuing acting. You're pursuing a career in performance is what I did for 13 years in LA. Um, you know, and so I think what's so exciting about that is look, everybody we're going to have on here are not actors. In fact, uh, just a small percentage will be actors, but what's really cool about talking to actors in general is we know a thing or two about life not going our way. We know a thing or two about not having control, getting rejected. Um, and, you know, what's so interesting about acting is it's kind of like you're rejected at every st- like step. You're rejected like your headshot doesn't get chosen to be brought in for an audition or you're even like your headshot doesn't even get opened. Like there's just so many different moments at, in an actor's life where things don't quote unquote go our way. And so I'm excited to... Um, share our stories and hopefully, you know, this is an opportunity for you to feel like not only are you not alone, but to laugh at us and with us. Totally. I think there's, there's so much to be seen and like, you might not have the exact same storyline as another person, but being like, wow, I felt the exact same way. Here's how they overcame, you know, potentially having to like go back to the drawing board and redraw Mm. what they thought their life was going to look like, you know, I think also throughout this week, we might start to figure out why we get so attached to the idea of having a life plan. Mm, Do you know mm, what I mean? Like, why is it that everyone at 12 had this idea of what their adult life would look like? Why, and why do we get, sometimes we get so set in that. Why is that? And I think it's so funny. Like I, I remember like our oldest graduated, um, we're foster parents too, and now almost 25 year old, but uh, when our oldest was graduating from high school, everybody was asking her what she was going to do. And it's this element of like, there's other things to ask people, you know, it's like when you're in LA, it's like, Oh, what TV shows have you been on? What movies have you been on? And it's like, or maybe you could just be like, Hey, what did you make for dinner last night? Or what do you think about this book? I don't know. It it feels like your, your worth and your value is what you're doing or what you're planning on doing. And, and I hope there's an element for, for our listeners that, as we talk to different people, we see that so many people have had these crushed moments. And if you put your value and your worth in those kind of moments, when you get crushed, it's so much more devastating than if you put your value and worth in, in who you are and who you were created to be, as opposed to, you know, a guy or a job or a college or, you know. Yeah. My mom likes to call them check marks. You know, Mm. you meet these people who have just kind of been checking the boxes in life. And it was like, okay, Mm. I, maybe I went to college, got that checkbox. And then I, you know, found my husband, check the box. And then we had kids check the box. And then you kind of look back and you realize, and you're like, were any of those things, things I really wanted or things I just thought I was supposed to want. And is this bringing me fulfillment or the thing that I'm working so hard to get or to be, 
is that process bringing me fulfillment? You know, I think that that is a really interesting question to ask. And I think it's going to be different for everybody. And, you know, one of the reasons I really wanted to do this podcast is I was kind of spoon fed as probably most of you are these award shows where somebody gets up and they, you know, hold the award up in their hand and they're like, I did it. And if I can do it, you can do it. And I just want to be like, bullshit, 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 bullshit. You know, this is the anti, if you believe it, you can achieve a podcast. And I don't mean that from a negative sense. I actually mean that in a really hopeful sense. This idea that, yes, there are people that will stand up on the stage and they will hold whatever award out. But what about the, you know, million people that don't? And where do we kind of fit in for those people that the dreams of your 12-year-old self just didn't happen? Or they're not happening the way you wanted them to? And kind of, it, do we keep going? Is there what I like to call the great pivot, you know, is there something that is actually better suited for you over here? Um, and just kind of looking around and taking stock of that. So it's really exciting to think about that. And, and, you know, you asked a question, you said, where does it come from in our 12 year old sense? And, and one of the things I think it comes from is a delightful game called mash. What's really exciting about this podcast is not only will we share our hopes and our triumphs, our fails and our defeats. That was a sad order. Hopes, triumphs, and then you end with fails Uh and defeats. Good job, Kirsten. Um, We're going to start every single episode playing our own little version of MASH. And if you don't know what MASH is, Erin, how would you describe possibly the greatest game ever? Yeah, MASH was the only thing there really was to do in school to decide your future. Except learn, except learn. That too. Whatever. I didn't do a lot of that. Um, (laughs) How very Lori Laughlin's daughters. (laughs) Oh, too soon, too soon. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Basically, you would come up with different categories and then you would sort of do a little game at the end and you would pick a number and you would go through the categories and cross them off one by one. And that's how you would decide your future. And there were always a couple funny answers, a couple answers you didn't really want. Yeah. The way I played it was always like three that you wanted in in like order, descending order. And then one that was like terrible, gross, like Steve Urkel. You're going to marry Steve Urkel. But Stefan Urkel. Hello. Um, and MASH stood for mansion, apartment, shack, and house, which by the way, now I would take any of those. Shack? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Fantastic. You, like always wanted the mansion. And yeah. now that I think about it, I'm like, that's a lot to clean. That's a lot. And nice I don't want, I don't want the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Studio is great. Um, okay. So yes. Yeah, so you'd, and then you'd like tick off or you do these circles and then your friend would be like, okay. And then tell me when to stop. And you'd say, stop. And then that would be how they count through. We don't have time for that people. This is only like a 45 minute podcast. So calm it down. So we're just going to go through with our guests and with each other right now, we're going to go through our, the top three categories were who you were going to marry, where you're going to live, and what your job slash occupation would be. Can I also say this was when like your crush would be revealed because you had to be honest, right? So like when you were going to say who you wanted to marry, if you said like the cutest boy in your class, you mentioned this was like elementary school and then another girl did it and she also said the cutest boy. It was like, who's going to get him? And then fate would be decided right then and there. Right now, 12-year-old Aaron, who were you going to marry? Who was your top under Mary? Troy Bolton, 100%. Not Zac Efron, the actor. Troy Bolton, the basketball musical star. And we should say for those of you who don't know, which might be one person out there, that Troy Bolton is from High School Musical 1, High School Musical 2, and High School Musical 3. 
Um, so yeah, so we just, we really, and he was a basketball star who also was super good at um, musical theater. Would he goes he, to Berkeley. He got into Berkeley. Yeah, that's true. Also, he's like five, six and a really good basketball player. That's like Muggsy. Um, I think his name was Muggsy Bogues. I could, at that I might sound real stupid right now. But. Definitely at least five, nine. Oh, I'm sorry. I offended. I offended Aaron. Okay. And then where would you live? Um, LA. You would live in LA. Okay. And then when you were 12, what was your dream occupation? What was your dream? Honestly, at that point it was fashion designer. It was pretty much fashion designer up until probably, yeah, probably seventh or eighth grade when I started doing musicals in school that I was like, no, I want to be an actress. Okay. Okay. So fashion designer. So real quick, uh, did you marry Troy, Troy Bolton? I think the jury's still out on that one, you know? Right. I'm not married yet, so we don't know. That's true. But is do we think Troy and Gabriella are still together? Yeah. Yeah, of point, course. I mean, did you see those... the necklace he gave her? That was a beautiful tea. He is in Troy. <laughs> says, right. a says, says a lot. Says a lot. And then where do you live? I do live in LA. Oh, I love that. So okay. that. Okay. And then also, uh, uh, what was the, Oh, I was like, what are we talking about? Uh, what is your job? Are you a fashion designer? I'm not. I am a Starbucks barista, which is close, <laughs> which is really close. You have so to, des- you have to design those drinks. I do. It's hard work, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, do you want to ask for me? Yeah. Oh, I would love to. First okay. of all, I do want to know your like, studio apartment house mansion oh what, what as well 100% mansion yeah yeah oh yeah I wanted a mansion I wanted to cook the thing that I used to say is when I get rich and famous all I want I'm gonna be like really humble but I really want a cook and I really want a masseuse because I want to get a massage every day okay first of all you grew up with your dad's spaghetti I would <laughs> I would eat that every single night do you like his spaghetti I die for it. I used to beg Courtney to make it because she's the only one that can make it like somewhat close. You know, what's really, so my dad has cinnamon and spaghetti. And I remember when I was, in, I think I was in college and I, I was friends with a couple of people that their parents were like Italian, like had, had immigrated or their grandparents were Italian. And I remember I told them my dad added cinnamon to spaghetti and I've never seen a look of horrified like that. Like they were like, what? And I was like, uh, oh, I don't know. That's, we always ate it like that, but no, I his, love it. It's yeah, polarizing, his, but it's incredible. It's polarizing. The most polarizing thing of 2021 so far. Would <laughs> you put cinnamon spaghetti. and spaghetti? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So I definitely think mansion when I was 12. Um, and okay. who okay. was your who was your Mary? Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Don't you dare call him JTT. That Can I know which version of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Hundred percent home improvement. He was, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this. I don't remember if we were talking about this or I was talking about this with my husband, Bradley. Spoiler alert. I did not marry Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And uh, and I was trying to figure out like, you know what it was? Ellis, my seven-year-old is starting to have crushes and she had a crush on Troy Bolton, AKA Zac Efron. Um, it's case. moved, it's moved to some other, I don't wanna, she could hear me, so I don't wanna go through, but it's always kind of who's on the screen singing and dancing. She's a hundred percent my daughter. And I was telling her about my huge crush on Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I mean, for years, I loved this boy. And 
I was trying to think like, it, I love sarcastic guys. And I wonder if it kind of comes from that a little bit. I don't know. But yeah. Oh my gosh. He was so funny on the show. He had the best lines, but I lo like loved him so much so that there's an episode where he has his first kiss and it's with this like girl who's playing a gymnast. No, you know what? Maybe she's not a gymnast, but then she was in a an, an, uh, Lifetime movie where she was a gymnast, I think with an eating disorder. I'm not really sure. But regardless, he kisses her in the episode. And I ran downstairs to my basement. I looked up at the ceiling. I put my fist up in the air. I swear to you, I cried. Why God? Why? Like I was so, I was devastated. I literally thought that he was meant for me. Like I wrote letters to my future husband. And the first letter I wrote, I will find a picture of this. I kid you not. The first letter says, dear future husband, I really believe that you were Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And like Jonathan Taylor Thomas was put on this um, earth. You haven't seen that? No. In the solo show Crushed, I have like a thing when you would walk in and it would have a, a copy of my first letter. Then, like surely I did, but. Yeah. And it says like, I believe that Jonathan Taylor Thomas was put on this earth for me to marry. Yeah. And then yeah, I say, I'm I say like, if you're not Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I understand. Poor Bradley. You should have read that at your wedding. That should have been your vows. I'll for you. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. So that's who I was going to marry. Loved him. Everybody knew I loved him. I actually, so I, okay. And then I'll stop about how much I loved him, but there was a Nickelodeon magazine where he talked about, they were like favorite book, favorite, whatever. And they were like favorite cheese and his favorite cheese is Gouda or was, I don't know if it still is Jonathan, you let me know. And I used to go around telling people my favorite cheese was Gouda. I'm lactose intolerant. I can't have cheese. Like I'm like, not just lactose just intolerant. I'm like, you could literally like build up this persona that eventually would match his when you one day met. Oh my gosh. I would read Tiger Beat and all those things and be like, that's me. That's me. Do you know when you take those quizzes and yeah. you like purposely take it and you don't get who you want at the end and then you rethink all of your answers Heck, and you're like, no. Yes. Just yeah. I used to do that with sync, which is really embarrassing because I think I was like 17 or 18, but yeah. I can honestly say though, I didn't have really even intense crushes, even about boys in my class until- I got to high school. I just like, didn't care. I had like friend crushes on like Hannah Montana. And I was like, if Miley Cyrus slash Hannah Montana met me, we would be best friends. And she, that's what I thought about Jody Sweeten. hundred percent. I used to have dreams that Jody Sweeten, Candace Cameron, and I were on golf carts, like driving around Warner brothers studios. Did what was your dream job when you were act 12? famous actress? hundred percent. Always I actress. Uh, no, for a little bit, I wanted to be a teacher and that would go in and out. I mean, I even went to school for education, for elementary education, but, um, I dropped out to move to LA, become an actor. Uh, but I think, yeah, I was always famous actress for, and I, I kind of talked about it previously, but you know, equal parts of, I loved performing. I loved making people laugh. I love telling stories and equal parts. I needed to prove my worth, right? If I was famous, then everybody would know they were wrong about me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I think that's also like so human to admit because so many people want to like speak badly about the whole, oh, you just want to be famous. And it's like, that's totally normal if that's a part of it, as long as you're willing to admit it. You know what I mean? I think it's also, yes, I agree. Thank you. And I think it's also this idea of like the whys, right? And I hope in, in our, in this podcast, we kind of get down to the whys. I think this podcast really is all about kind of, you know, I was thinking about this a lot and right before I moved to LA, um, I was 20, I started writing in a journal. I've been writing in a journal since then. I, we actually had to throw out, Bradley and I had to throw out some of our journals before we moved to New York. Cause we had a 700 square foot apartment. I'm trying to think I've probably written in 30 journals, maybe more over the years. Yeah. And, um, 
I, I found this, like, it was like in a quotes book right before I moved, but it was Bible verse. And it was, I'm going to probably get it wrong. I think it was Proverbs 13, 12. I think that's what it was. And it says a dream deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. And I feel like a dream deferred is so much about what this podcast is, but it's not just about a dream that's pushed or a dream that doesn't, it's really about what we were talking about earlier, this great pivot. Right. So, so I just, I I'm so interested to talk to people and find out their mashes. Did their mashes come true? And, um, what does that look like? And how is their, um, you know, how is that, um, I don't know, like informed their life with those yeah. things, you know? Totally. Um, and I wanted to live in a split between LA and New York. I wanted to be a Broadway star. I wanted to have my own TV show, a sitcom. And then I wanted to be on Broadway. That was kind really? of like, yeah. And I wanted to be the voice of a Disney princess. Like you were really those stretching were- yourself thin at 12. Well, I had, so I was supposed to get married at 25. Um, no, get married at 24, have my TV show at 25 and get, have my first baby at 26. So when I, none of that happened at 20, 26 was the hardest birthday for me because I felt like everything I had wanted and dreamed about and gone for had not happened. And so it was like, yeah, I guess I might've messed that up. TV show 24, marriage at 25 and baby at 26. Yeah. I had a lot going. Apparently I could not see past 26. Like then my life yeah, was I'm really over. I'm excited that I just turned 26 like a week ago. So <laughs> I do think it's kind of great uh, that you're in the, what I called the hardest year for me, but it really wasn't. It was just the birthday. The 20, 20, being 26 was fine. Okay. So uh, the other thing that part of this podcast is, is we're going to end each podcast with uh, questions for our guests. Um, And I'm not going to go through all the questions right now. I'm just going to go through two. There's four that we're going to ask our guests, but I'm just going to go through two with us. So the first one is if you could tell your 12 year old self anything, what would it be? Ooh, I think about this a lot. And I think the biggest one for me is always just kind of, and you know, I actually a couple of years ago wrote a letter to my 13 year old self. Um, but I think the biggest thing would have just been, you know, buckle up because Mm. 12 was really kind of the year before my life kind of flipped upside down. Mm. And there is nothing that would have made anything in that whole situation any better besides knowing that if I kind of just like there is a light at the end of it because for so long, I just, I couldn't see that. I couldn't imagine that there would ever be a time in which the things that would happen wouldn't hurt every single Mm, day. mm. And I think if I just had something that said, buckle up, ride it out, it'll be, you know, eventually it will be okay. That would have been like a godsend to know. I think that's really important too. Cause I think sometimes when the pain or the hurt or is, you know, my, I remember my therapist saying one time, like life is in the business of change, essentially. I'm kind of misquoting her, but like change is always, change is inevitable. Obviously we know that, but change is always happening. And I think there's this element is when you're in so much pain, it is so hard to see that change will happen. And so I just love that. I love that idea. I love that. And I, I hope that people get out of this podcast that even if they're in a moment right now where the dream has been anywhere from deferred to shattered to crushed, that it's not always going to be like this. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> mine is, uh, I don't know if mine is uh, as beautiful as yours. I also wrote a letter to my 12 year old self. I did it for a couple years ago. We'll put it um, on like in a link, but uh, it was, I wrote it for Darlene magazine and it was a letter to my 12 year old self or to my sixth grade self. I can't really. And it was pretty much, you're going to get boobs. Like you're going to get boobs. And I think 
boobs for me. I was so flat. I was such a late bloomer. It took me forever. <laughs> like I said, solo show period, but it really, I was nine days before I turned 16, before I got my period, it took me forever to hit puberty. And I think there was this element always that I was such a late bloomer in every single sense of the word. And so there was this element, just like what you're saying, like, is there an end to this? Like, will I become for me, it felt like, will I become beautiful or will I become pretty or attractive or wanted or desired? I mean, there was all these kind of word bubbles floating around. And um, yeah, so I, I think there was this element of like, will I get to that place where it feels like everybody else is and I'm and the one. It's also the whole like, you know, you put in your mind, you were like, I will be happy when. And then yeah. you kind of get to a moment where you're like, will I be happy when? Yeah. And so I think it's sort of that if you could go back and say, you know, that it, you know, maybe you were happy when you finally got boobs, but it probably didn't feel the way that you thought it would feel. It didn't unlock all of the things you thought it would unlock. No. And it actually took about five more years for them. Like it was like, I got boobs kind of, and then maybe a little bit more and then a little, and then finally I got pregnant and it was like, oh, Hey boobs. So, but yeah, I mean, so maybe that was like 10 years later, but, or actually like 14 years later, whatever. Yes, I agree. I think, and I think that that, that is something that I will forever wrestle with is the, I will be happy when. I will be content when, and, and then that, that sometimes that thing has happened for me. And then I'm like, wait, and almost like, this is it. You know, our, our friend, uh, Tony Hale, who, um, is an actor, he wrote, um, a children's book called Archibald next big thing. Cause he was, it was, he had gotten arrested development with the sitcom that he always wanted. You know, he always wanted to be on a sitcom. And then he was kind of like, uh, wait, what, what now? you know? And so I, I think that's, that's a big thing in this as well. It's like, then you do get what you want. And then it's kind of like, well, what now? You know, you, know, you and I talked about this a lot when I was going back and forth between moving to LA and then that's a, a way better story because I pretty much made the decision all in an afternoon. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, LA has always been my dream. It's always been my, it's always been my thing to look forward to. And I was like, what mm. if I finally have that thing to look forward to? you know, what do I do? I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be living it. And I wasn't even as worried that it wouldn't live up to all I thought it would be. I was so worried about not having that, that thing in the distance that I, I was so worried about not having that. I will be happy when. You know oh, I mean? almost like having something to hope for. Yes. Yeah. Cause totally. then you're living it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what soul that movie soul is about. He finally, have you seen soul yet on Disney? Plus? I haven't seen it yet. Your daughter made me watch the first 10 minutes and then she <laughs> walked me through the entire plot. <laughs> That's so Ellie. Really, uh, that's really funny. Um, it, was, it was so funny. She was like, and that's his mom. I was like, did they tell me later that? That's <laughs> and she was like, well, yeah, but now you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: Don't watch movies with Ellie because she'll spill. She calls it spilling the beans. And she's like, would you want me to spill the beans? And I'm like, no, I want to watch it. She's like, but I really want to spill the beans. I'm like, okay. She'll spill the beans about such inconsequential things. She'll be like, he's a jazz singer. And I'm like, are they going to tell me that he? Well, that's wrong because he's actually a jazz pianist. So she can't even get that right. Um, all right. Uh, and then, wait, what was it? Oh, oh, I know the other question. What is your, I'm like, what's happening? What is your crushed song? Like, what is your, if, if you could sum up this podcast, being a 12-year-old, MASH, all of it, what is that song? Um you're going to give me such hate for this, but it's actually a Taylor Swift song. Um, wait, wait, because you have a very complicated relationship with I Taylor do. Swift. It's yeah. I like Taylor. I mean, I have a complicated relationship with her as well, but like I've loved her for a long time and I get from, uh, yeah. she and I have, she and I just have, it's a, 
It's a long story. I but, can't uh, wait for you guys to get to therapy together. You guys are going to be, have the cutest couples therapy. You are. Um, it's actually Taylor Swift's last first kiss. My, my high school breakup, which at the time obviously felt huge. And I look yeah. back on it now and I just like laugh. Um, but speak now had come out like the year prior and mm-hmm. that song last first kiss was just like, Oh, it was everything to me. Oh, what was um, sorry, Mar- uh, our guest, our guest that we're going to be doing, uh, our interview with today just <laughs> emailed me and I just saw something. So I just, I wait, do you remember, I came to visit you out in LA kind of right after this breakup, almost immediately after this breakup. And you took me through the Hollywood Hills and we were listening to this song and I, you obviously weren't laughing at me, but I felt like you were because I was having such a stare Aww. out the window. Was it this song, a, Last First Kiss? Yes, but you weren't laughing at me in a way like you were making fun of me. It was just like, you could tell I was clearly doing the whole, I'm going to stare out the window <laughs> and like listen to this song and long for a life that I didn't have. I think in those moments, it's also like, I do this with Ellis and, and I've done this with Ashley, our oldest as well. It's kind of like these moments of like, I know that girl. Yeah. You know, you're la- almost like laughing. Like Ellis sometimes will say something and she go, what? You're looking at me like that. And I'm like, you're just so cute, but I'm not mocking you. It's like, I know that girl, like that girl, yeah. what? Not even that that girl was me. I just know that girl so well. Uh, well, I'm sorry if you felt like I was making fun of you. <laughs> no, it's like, it's, it's one of my favorite memories. And then we drove oh. through Malibu. We drove through Malibu and, um, um it's called the boo. Okay. Excuse me. I, <laughs> just I kidding. That's disgusting. Out. Please don't call it that. I haven't actually been out of my apartment since I moved to LA because of COVID. So I might as well just live not here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was such a, a super fun day. Oh, different story. for Yeah. Time. That's really sweet. Um, okay. Uh, mine is <laughs> okay. Not only is mine a phenomenal song, a masterpiece, if you will, I wanted this to be my first dance with my future husband. You really were thinking. In yeah. The well, I was at this point, I was 21. I wasn't 12. This wasn't my 12 year old song. It just was this song, I think like encapsulates this entire thing. And it's God must've spent a little bit more time on you by the fantastic group in sync. And for all of you that are clapping right now in your cars or at home, because you understand what a glorious song this truly is. First of all, I want to say you're right. And second of all, for all the people that are confused and puzzled, obviously you ha- don't know the magic that is in sync and you don't understand what a beautiful song this is because they're literally saying to the person like, God must've spent just a little bit more time on you. And for me to have someone like anyone at that point, like <laughs> I could have been like uh, just a man on the street, a casting director, anybody just to say to me, you're special, you're valued, you're worthy. I'm, I, I, it's so sad, but like, I was so in need of that. And beautiful so, message. It's a beautiful yeah, message. But also kind of a sad message. Like, I feel like I hope God spends equal time on all of us. Making <laughs> I was like, that. it does imply that God spends less time on some people. I do believe that God like judges us differently because we're all different and his mercies are different, but I hope he spends the same time creating. I don't know. Also, anyway. there is a, there's a weird thing to be said about, wow, you took a long time. God, <laughs> God really needed some extra time for you. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's like, uh, Mariah Carey's all I want for Christmas is you. Uh, one of my friends goes, uh, she says she doesn't want a lot for Christmas. All she wants is you. That's actually not a good thing. Like, nah, I'll take you. Whatever. All I want is you'll do. It's yeah. fine. So anyway, we are so, so excited to, what would it be the word? Like journey, travel, adventure. Oh, 
Yeah, no, journey. None of those words. I'm just feeling a big connection right now. And um, as we journey through this time on The Bachelor, um, I'm just really excited for this podcast. I feel like this has been such a culmination of so many things in my life. Um, and I'm just really excited for Aaron to be alongside me in this. So thank you so much. We're so excited. And um, go ahead and follow us. Uh, we don't know what our Instagram thing is, so we will add that later. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.